never leave us or forsake us. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding us that you would be with us always. Thank, thank you, Lord, for being faithful, for being a faithful friend. I thank you, Lord. you guys be seated for a minute. The students and the teachers, I'll release you in a, in a couple of minutes. I just want to go over uh, some announcements, make sure everybody's up to date. But um, before I do that, I just want to share my heart a little bit. Anybody here ever gone through a hard time? Not us. Not you guys? You've never <laughs> been through a hard time, right? Yeah, me neither. I can remember some of the toughest times of life and the lessons God taught me at Nadine was to enjoy the good days and endure the bad days, but keep going forward, you know, no matter what. In the good days, the bad days, just to keep going forward, and that's, that's been on my heart, you know, lately. Um, some scripture has been just, you know, bouncing around in my heart and my mind. If you follow me on Facebook, you've probably seen me post some of these. Tim. Like I said, some scripture's been bouncing around in my head, and if you follow me on Facebook, maybe you've seen some of them, and I speak to myself. <laughs> They've been speaking to me. So God speaks through the prophet Isaiah, and he says, forget the former things. <laughs> Do not dwell on the past. One of the ways that I'm able to enjoy, enjoy the good days, endure the bad days, and keep going forward, that keep going forward part would help so much is if I can forget the former things, if I can choose not to dwell on the past, it helps me. Paul's exhortation to us, I preached on this a few weeks ago, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Part of the way I do that is I forget what's behind some more sobering verses. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I want to I look forward. Anybody ever, anybody ever run a plow? Uh, I've never plowed a field, but I've plowed snow. Okay? I can remember one of the first times I ever ran a handheld Gravely snow plow, self-propelled deal. I looked behind me to see how straight the row was, and it went like this, right? <laughs> You've got to look forward when your hand's on the plow. It's, otherwise, you can't plow straight, you know, straight rows. Right? Isn't that true? I mean, practically, it's true. Cryptically, Jesus warns us to remember Lot's wife. Why would he tell us to do that? Why would he say, remember Lot's wife? She looked back <laughs> and was turned into a pillar of salt. You know, I started the year with a message saying that 
we were going to hit a storm some point during the year. We would hit a storm. But Jesus would take us to the other side. I believe with all my heart that he's going to take us to the other side. I'm convinced that that was a true word. And the storm is evidence of the fact that he's going to take us to the other side. The storm doesn't mean he's not going to take us to the other side, right? The promise was that we'd go to the other side. The evidence of the storm just bears that out. We are going to go to the other side. I'm going forward. I've, I've decided. I've made my decision. I'm choosing to go forward, and I invite you to join me if you'd like. I, I'm going forward. I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm choosing to no longer dwell on the past. I'm going forward, and I invite you to do that. Amen? So a few announcements. Um, on a sad note, everybody here knows Donna Moranti. Her, her father passed away this week, and the funeral's going to be at, um, I'm not sure you say this, NOCE, NOCE Funeral Home, 189, uh, 109 in West Babylon, and um, the wake this afternoon from 2 to 4 and tonight 7 to 9 if anybody wants to go and pay their respects. Please keep Donna and her family in your prayers. Um, let me do some announcements, then we'll take an offering and we'll let the kids go, right? Um, got a lot of stuff going on. In reflecting my heart, this choosing to move forward, we've got a bunch of new stuff going on, and before we let the teachers and the students go, um, I just want to bring all you guys up to date. We have um, prayer still at Ginny's house, 10 a.m. on Tuesdays. Man, super value uh, intercession. It's a lifeblood for us. It keeps us going. Um, thank you, ladies, for doing that so you can join uh, Ginny in that Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Um, also at Joanne's house, the first and third Tuesday night of the month. Uh, you guys still doing that? Yeah. Um, dream interpretation, life readings at the Spoon. I did the wedding last week for Joe and, and Jess. It was great. I mean, they were, they were thrilled. It was truly a blessing. We're going to do the outreach at the Spoon every week now. Instead of just the second or fourth Tuesday, they, our favor has grown. Our influence and the impact has increased. It's going to be every Tuesday night. So you, there's sign-up sheets on the, by the uh, coffee bar. You can sign up uh, to do that. I'm pretty excited about that. Part of going forward, my passion I told you my vision was to take it to the streets. This is the most practical, tangible thing uh, that we can do, along with food pantry, to actually do that. So it's every Tuesday night now. That's a change. Wednesdays, food pantry from 6 to 7, and it still continues to be a huge blessing to people in the community. Uh, more recently, in a small group meeting on Wednesday nights from 7.30 on, you can, you can uh, plug into that. Uh, we finished our... Um, our video series, uh, Arthur Burke video series last week, um, we're going to take this Thursday off, but the following Thursday on the, um, excuse me, October 28th, we're going to start another book club. And it, the book is titled, He Loves Me. If Along with outreach, if there is a resonating passion burning in my heart, is intimacy with God, this intimate, loving friendship that we can have with the Father. The author, Wayne Jacobson, just absolutely nails the topic. It, it, it's a nonfiction book um, called He Loves Me. We'll be doing that on, on uh, Thursday nights. We have copies of the book at the, at the back there. Nadine has them. They're $10 a piece. Um, and I'll, I'll be leading that Thursdays beginning on the, the 28th. We'll, we'll do two chapters a night. 
So if you want, you can pick that up, and you've got a couple of weeks to read the introduction in the first couple of chapters. A youth group on Saturday night, um, the 23rd, will be at, um, at the Fowler's house, at uh, Tim and um, Candace's house. You can uh, join them there on the 23rd. Um, many of you enjoyed the Nurturing Your Spirit DVD series that we did with Arthur Burke uh, on Thursday nights. A lot of information. I mean, just rich, rich stuff. Really good stuff. Kind of different than anything we've done before. It fits well. It complements well what we've done in the past. And so what I told you I wanted to do was do a one-day seminar where we could go through it all again. I know many of you were really eager to take, to go through the materials a, a, a second time, and then there were some others who just weren't available on Thursday nights. On Saturday, October 30th, we'll do a one-day seminar. We'll start at 9 o'clock in the morning. We'll probably finish somewhere around 5 o'clock or so. Bring a bag lunch. Bring a notebook. You're going to want to take notes. Really good stuff. We'll, do, we'll go through the whole thing on that day. We have some fun events planning. We're going to do another potluck in December. Nobody does a potluck like we do a potluck, right? So mark your calendars December 10th. We'll do a potluck. Um, Peter actually gave me the idea a couple of months ago that we would do some kind of family movie night, some kind of fun family movie night. Um, anybody seen the... Uh, Chronicles of Narnia videos, the first two that came out. Well, a third, I love them, by the way. The third one's coming out in December. So I thought, hey, in October and November might be fun to take one night uh, each month and do the first two again. You can get a refresher, you know, see the first two again and kind of get yourself geared up for the third one. So the first one will be um, this coming uh, Friday, uh, October 22nd. We'll watch The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, and we'll follow up next month on November 19th with the, the, the second in the series, uh, Prince Caspian. So bring a friend, bring your favorite uh, movie snack. Did I miss any announcements? All right, let's take up an offering. Lord, I thank you for blessing us, for your goodness and your kindness toward us. I thank you for being faithful. And Lord, I ask that you bless us. Bless us abundantly. Accept this offering. Use it for your purposes. Bring honor and glory to your name. Amen. Thanks for giving. Didn't the worship team do a good job today? Thank you, guys. Sounded great. Teachers are released. Students are released. We're still just about on the edge financially. Um, man, I don't know why it is, but when I'm not here, the offerings are about half of what they are when I am here. I don't think it should be that way, but it is that way. So last week was not a good week. And so we're, you know, every week we're kind of on the edge there. I ask you guys, please give, give generously. Please give consistently. It'll help us be able to pay all of our bills. I really feel like we're supposed to be looking for a new facility. Um, we're, we're committed here until July, but I think it's time. Um, God's doing a new thing. I think it's time uh, to look for a new place. I don't know where it is. I don't know what the building will look like. But I ask you guys have your eyes open. Let me know. I'm open to a lot of different creative ideas of how we can do this. And um, uh, if we can find something that's less than the $4,000 a month we're paying now, I think that'd be great. Right. So look, we've got a lot of things going on. I, I, we have lots of options throughout the week. If you're looking for a place to plug in or to connect relationally or to get involved or be spiritually fed, you've got a plethora of options before you. 
and I said this when I first got here, I don't expect everybody to be at everything. I mean, that's, that would just be crazy. I don't know if we could, who's got the time, right? But find what has life on it for you. There's a vast array. I mean, there's all different flavors throughout the week. What's your thing? What works for you? What has life on it for you? Well, participate okay. in that thing, and, and I'm sure you'll be blessed. Okay. On to my message. Open up to John chapter 15. So last week, like I said, I did Joe and Jess's wedding. It went really well. It was at um, the Watermill. Anybody ever been there? What a beautiful place, the Watermill. They had this garden wedding out in the back. The weather couldn't have been more perfect for the day. and It went really, really nice. Where is the Watermill? A Smithtown. That's where it was, Smithtown, yeah. Uh, Maurice filled in for me last week. Thank you, Maurice, for pinch hitting. Did a great job. I appreciate it. About three weeks ago, I, uh, maybe about four weeks ago, I started a, a series of messages that that were pointing toward and with an emphasis on and focused on our personal relationship with God. I know that I know that I know. Thank you, Tim. That God desires a deep, rich, personal, intimate friendship with you. If in doing my job, I create a bottleneck where the only way you can get to him is to go through me, I have failed miserably. Because that's not what my job is supposed to be. That was, that was the Old Testament model. We had to have you know, the priest come and stand in the gap and play the role of mediator between us and God. Only the, the high priest could go into the most holy place. Jesus changed all that. He came as our perfect high priest. He came and, and the veil was rent. It was torn in two so that we can have access to the most holy place. So you, yourself, can have access to him. If I'm doing my job right, I'm pointing you to him. And you're intimate with him. And you can get everything that you need directly from him. I'm here to help you along the way. If you stumble, I want to help you stand up. If you get confused or you, know, you take a wrong turn, I want to help you and say, hey, I want to point you toward him. I don't <laughs> want to take the role or the place of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I believe that a part of my life is a testimony to everyone out there if I can have an intimate relationship with God, then anybody can. Because the good things that God has done in my life it is not a testimony to the fact that I'm good, but to the fact that he's good. And if he could do it in me, and I don't know about his average, normal, everyday kind of guys, anyone I ever met, he can do it for you. So a few weeks ago, I started these series of messages to point you toward him. That you would have intimate relationship with him. If, God forbid, something happened to me this week, I would expect that you would feel bad, but you would still have a relationship with him, right? Because it's all about him. That's what Jesus wants for us. So I started this message, this series, uh, a few weeks back, and I talked about um, setting your mind on things above. And not on earthly things, right? We want to be heavenly minded. We want to fix our eyes on Jesus. We want to see what he's doing and be about doing that. 
and not be concerned with the earthly stuff. Certainly, those verses in, in Colossians are communicating to us that the heavenly things or what's going on in the spirit world, what God's doing, is much more important than what's ever happening on earth. And so that kind of talks about going forward, right? We want to go forward. We want to fix our eyes on him. We want to be heavenly minded. And then I preached out of Philippians chapter 3, where Paul writes, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And I told you that the prize referenced in verses 13 and 14 of Philippians 3 wasn't salvation, because the prize is a free gift. The prize referenced there was intimate relationship with God. That's the prize. Paul writes in those verses, he says, But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There isn't any pressing or straining or winning of a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. But there is pressing. There is straining. There are prizes to be won in the development of intimate relationship, right? That's why Paul would say, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, in verse 8. And this is, this is not an intellectual, but an intimate knowledge. The suffering and death of verse 10 and the loss of verse 8 have nothing to do with academic knowledge, and they have everything to do with an intimate knowing. Now, I won't suffer loss or die for a concept, a theology, or a doctrine, but I will suffer and die for an intimate friend. Wouldn't you? For the ones that I love, I'd lay down my life. It's all about relationship. Man, guys, listen to me. This whole Christianity thing, it's all about relationship. It's all about knowing Christ. Two weeks ago, I, I shared a message um, called Safe Versus Good. The text I used was Psalm 24. And verse 8 and 10 asked the question, who is the king of glory? And I asked you, who is your king of glory? How do you see him? I got the title of the message from, from C.S. Lewis's Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where Lucy asked Mr. Beaver if Aslan, the Christ figure in the movie, asks if, if Aslan is safe. And Mr. Beaver offers this profound and insightful response. He says, safe? <laughs> Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. And that's the God we serve. As Scott Evelyn would say, he's scary wonderful, you know. He's terrifying, and he's good. I think about the journey Nadine and I have been on for the past 30 years. It hasn't always been safe. Let me tell you guys, moving from New York to West Virginia, <laughs> I might call that a lot of things. It wasn't safe, it wasn't comfortable, but it was good. And it was God. Who is your king of glory? Is your king of glory too safe, too small, too powerless, and too nice to impact your life? Or is he King David's king of glory? He's good, and he's big, and he's strong, and he's mighty, and he's powerful, and he's ready for battle on your behalf. 
And I exhorted you in that message to look beyond the deceptions and to look beyond the offenses you may have concerning God and how he's led you in his life. And see the lion of the tribe of Judah for who he truly is. And go to him. And so today I want to continue with this theme and talk about friendship with God. So you still open to John 15? It takes me a long time to get there sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> Beginning at verse 12, this is from the New American Standard Bible. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. What a model. What an example. <laughs> what an incredible leader. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. Instead, I call you friends. For all things I have learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear much fruit and that that fruit would endure so that whatever you ask, of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This is my command, that you love one another. Lord, I pray that you would write the truth of this text upon our hearts, imprint it upon our spirits, and that that truth would set us free. Do it, Lord. So let's look at this text. What's the setting? What's the context of this dialogue. Where is Jesus when he said these profound words? Well, it's the Passover. It's during the Last Supper. It's on the night Jesus was betrayed. It's on the night he was betrayed that he spoke these profound words. They were in the upper room. It was after he had washed his disciples' feet. It was after he predicted Judas' betrayal, and it was after he predicted Peter's denial. And it was before his high priestly prayer in John 17 that we would be one. And not long before he was arrested. That's the setting. So he already knew. He's sitting around a table with these guys, and he already knew who would betray him. He already knew who would deny him. And in that place, in that context, he says, I call you friends. You know what that tells me? <laughs> I could have had a seat at that table. I was qualified. If there, were, if there were deniers and betrayers at that table, I qualified. And he calls me friend. He because he chose me, not because I chose him. You see, this relationship thing, it's not about how good you are but how amazingly good he is. So if you had a bad day lately, <laughs> and you're not feeling real good about you, I, I've had some days lately where I haven't felt real good about me. But he still loves me. Like we sang today, I love that song, Jimmy, that he'll never leave us. He will never forsake us. Sometimes I think that's as much a threat as it is a promise. He will never leave us or forsake us. So who's at this meeting? Jesus is alone with his disciples. This is private. 
time. This is not a public time. Jesus is with his buddies, his pals, his brothers, his closest friends. These are the ones who have been with him the past three years. They were with Jesus when he healed the sick and when he raised the dead and when he cast out demons. They were with him when he preached the Sermon on the Mount and when he fed the multitudes and when he walked on water, when he calmed the storm and took them to the other side. These guys were with him. They were with him when he rebuked the Pharisees and when he turned over the tables of the money changers. They walked together. They sailed together. They ate and laughed and prayed and even fought together. Jesus loved these men. And he loved them. Jesus knew what the next few days held. He knew what was around the corner. He knew what was coming up for these guys. And he encouraged his friends. They didn't know. They didn't know it, the disciples. But they had some extremely difficult days in front of them. Right? Jesus was about to be arrested and beaten and crucified. He was about to die. Their whole world was about to be shattered. Everything they believed in, everything they hoped in, was about to be devastating. And they didn't know it. And in that context, Jesus knew. And he's telling them the most important things. It's in this setting, this context, that Jesus talks about what? He talks about friendship. He talks about relationship. He didn't take that moment, significant moment, profoundly important moment, to talk to them about doctrine, to talk to them about theology, right? He took that time to talk about relationship and to establish a new standard, a new covenant of relationship. In this context, knowing what was to come, knowing who was at that table with him, he establishes covenant relationship. You know what? His ways are not our ways. <laughs> that laptop just turned off. <laughs> so it's in that context. He talks about relationship. He talks about covenant relationship. It's all about relationship with Jesus. So here's the $64,000 question. How do we do it? How do you do relationship with God? You know, some of us have a hard enough time doing relationship with people who have skin on, right? <laughs> the ones I can touch. The ones I can smell. We have a hard enough time doing relationship with them. But how we do relationship with God? I'll give you some practical tips. First tip is this. As you do relationship with God, first tip, don't keep score. Do yourself a favor. Don't keep score. You know what I mean by keeping score? Punching the clock. I've been a Christian a long time. And there were times my relationship with him felt like I was punching the clock. I got to show up every morning at 4.30 and have my prayer time and read my three chapters from the Bible. Because, you know, if I read three chapters a day, I'll get through the whole Bible in a year. 
And there were seasons of my life where that worked for me. And then there were other times where I was just punching the clock. And if I missed a day, it seemed like the guilt and the shame and the condemnation vastly outweighed any benefit of the time that I actually spent with him. Am I the only one that's ever felt that way? If it's a loving, trusting relationship, if it's a friendship, you're not punching the clock, right? You just want to be together. So don't keep score. Don't worry about keeping score. Second practical tip. Something's better than nothing. 15 minutes a day of genuine time with him is better than two hours a month. And so my point is this, practical tip. Let it be real. What's ever real for you, whatever works for you, a little bit is better than nothing. So spend some time with him. Spend time in his presence. Relationships are built on time. And it might be the most valued commodity that we have. So don't keep score. A little bit is better than nothing. And, and when you give him time, you will find that relationally it's most valuable if it's undivided time. Boy, I'm discovering more and more in my life, in our culture today, that undivided time is premium. How many of you guys have a computer on your lap while you're watching TV? How many of you listen to my sermon and have your, have your cell phone in your hand? Right? <laughs> and you never do that, right? I was sitting there, I would do it. I'd be, you know, if my thing rang and I had email or, or if I wanted to look up a verse or something. It's very, you know, we'll, Nadine and I, we'll lay in bed and watch a movie and my, my iPhone's right here. <laughs> I think they did get jealous. She's like, hey, man, that spot on your chest, that's my spot. So undivided time. Undiv- we, undivided time is premium. Man, especially you still got kids living in the house. It's hard to have undivided time. I, I refer to undivided time as pillow talk, and I think I've used this analogy before. It's when we lie in bed with, with our loved one and we look eye to eye, and there's intimate communication that goes on. Words may or may not be necessary. Sometimes it's just a touch. But I think that's what God wants. I know that's what he wants. He wants that intimate time. And it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be extended 15 minutes of undivided time. That builds intimacy. It fosters close, loving relationship. So don't punch the clock. A little bit better than nothing. Offer him undivided time. And one of my favorite sayings, go where the life is. Find out what has a life on it for you in your relationship with God, and do that thing. It's been so many things over the years for me. 
just like my relationship with Nadine. We don't do today the things that we did 30 years ago. Our relationship has evolved. It's developed. It's matured. It's grown. Our, our flavors, our appetites have changed over time. Ha hasn't yours? And so what season are you in? What works for you? Sometimes one of the best ways I'm able to connect with God is when I sit and have coffee with another person because I can see Christ in them. Right? Sometimes it's reading the word. Man, I, I tell you, there are times, there are seasons that I can get into the word. It is like, it's like digging for buried treasure for me. It's like I catch a scent and I'm just going deeper and deeper and deeper, you know? Breaking down every Greek or Hebrew word, find out what it means. I'll read every commentary I can come up with. And I'll just go and go and go. And I love it. And it's extraordinarily life-giving. Sometimes it's like, sometimes doing that <laughs> is like hard manual labor. It's like crushing rocks with a, you know, with a toy hammer. I just can't do it. There's nothing on it for me. Other times it's worship. I've had so many deep, intimate times with my guitar in my, on my lap. And I'm singing for nobody else but him. It's just him and me. And I'll play until my fingers can't take it anymore. Many other times I want to take the guitar and smash it against the wall. What has life on for you? There have been times in my journey where it's intercession. Where the way I'm able to connect most intimately with him is if I focus on other people. If I get my eyes off myself and I get my heart concerned about the needs and concerns of others. And then sometimes I just got to go for a walk. And I, I like to, I love to find quiet places, private places where nobody thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> and walk and talk out loud to God like I'm talking to you now. Sometimes I do it in here. I walk around the room. I don't know why. It helps me just to keep my body occupied. Well I, well, I talk to him out loud. It feels more authentic to me. And so I do. I'll just go right around these tables. I'll walk around and around and around. I'll just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. So go where the life is. Find out what has life for you. And do that. And the culmination of those things. You could probably give me a lot more tips. But the culmination of those things. They develop friendship. Think about some of the closest friends you have. How did that close friendship develop? You, you spent time together. O over a long period of time, you spent time together. You did things together. You have shared experiences. You have memories. Let the dialogue with a friend, <laughs> if you're sitting with a friend and only one person does all the talking, the relationship's going to be lopsided, right? So as you spend time with God, allow the dialogue to be two ways. You talk to him, and then listen for him to talk to you. Now, you guys in this room, compared to most of Christendom, you've had more training on hearing God <laughs> than most other people on the planet. You've been taught how to listen, how to listen to him. He calls us his friend. 
And just, the, just in the same way that friendship is developed man to man, many of those are the same ways that friendship is developed between people and God. Now, this is what you have going for you. Scripture says that he's no respecter of persons, right? That, that means that he doesn't like one person better than he likes another person. He loves us all the same. Even if your parents had favorites, our heavenly parent, he has no favorites. His love for us is the same. My kids, my daughter especially, she'll call up and before she leaves, she says, I know you love me best. And so Nadine and I will tell her, you're our favorite daughter. <laughs> and then my son does the same thing. He says, I know you love me better than you love me. I said, you're my favorite son. I think that's how God feels about us. He looks at every one of us and says, you're the apple of my eye. I love you with everything. And scripture's testimony, what Jesus did for us. He's loved us with everything. He says he chose us. You don't have to worry does he want to be friends with me? Remember ladies being in high school? Will the cute guy ask me to the dance? You don't have to worry whether or not. The scripture says he chose you. He's already picked you. You're the one. It's you. He wants you. He wants relationship with you. That's what this whole thing is about. From the beginning of creation. God doesn't need us. He wants us. He created us for purpose of relationship with him. Adam walked with, with God in the cool of the day. That was lost at sin. Jesus came and the purpose of Calvary was so that what was lost in the garden could be restored so that we could walk together with him. That's what friends do. And that's what he has for you. I exhort you, I challenge you, I beg you. Be content with nothing less. Be satisfied with nothing less. Please, 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 don't be content <laughs> with tradition or religion. Because, I mean, talk about getting robbed. <laughs> he offers us friendship. And, and we get offered religion. Man, what a bummer. What a ripoff. I, I don't want that. I don't want that. I want him. I want to know him. I want to be like him. If I'm ever going to obey the command that he gave in John 15 to love as he's loved, I've got to know him. Because this I already know. I can't do it. It's not in me. To love the way he, I can't love the way he loves. I have enough, um, I have enough data, I have enough evidence piled up from my life that proves to me that in and of my own strength, I can't love the way he loves. But if I'm with him, if I spend time in his presence, if I've been touched by him, if I hear his voice, if I smell his fragrance, if, he, if I feel his embrace, if I have some type of experiential encounter with him, it changes me. <laughs> changes me. I got to see him again this week. I got to be touched by him again this week. 
and it blessed me. It lifted my burden. Jesus said that he came to set captives free, to set them free to a, another degree. He said that he came to bind up broken hearts. He bound up my broken heart. Because that's the kind of friend he is. He's really good. And he does his job well. And he does that not because I'm good. I'm not good. Ask TV. <laughs> he does it because he's good. Friendship with God. That's what's available. That's what's offered to you. That's the invitation. What a deal. What an incredible deal. Let's pray. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Oh God. I pray for my friends today. Lord, I pray that you would run after them. Run after them, oh God. That you would pursue them. I pray that you would knock on their door. Do it, Lord. Father, for all of us, I pray that you would replace the lies with truth. And that you would remind us today, yet again, how incredibly good you are. How amazingly good you are. Remind us again today how extravagant your love is. How far-reaching your love is. Do it, Lord.